During quarantine, you picked up a new hobby. Getting back to your high school roots, you started to paint more. And more. And more. You show your friends and they love it. And even offer to pay for your paintings. The first one sells for 50 bucks. Then you sell another for 100. Then the money starts rolling in. 150. 200. Soon enough, you've been paid $5,000 for just filling your time at home. With all this money coming in, you start to wonder if it's really yours or whether you might lose all of it to other items, such as your paint supplies, your canvas purchases, and yes, your taxes. Stumped on the answer and ready to get started on your next painting, you find yourself asking our question for today. What should I know about earning business or self-employment income as an individual? Welcome everyone to another one of our Canadian taxation episodes. This is your host, Gaetano, and with me is my co-host, Joey better known as Joe Tax. And today we'll be taking an introductory look at what it means to be self-employed for income tax purposes here in Canada. Now, Joe, just so you know, I've got a friend joining me today. It is Winston. He is uh, in his crate beside me. So if you hear that background noise, that's why I swear I'm not you know, hurting the pup. He's just lonely. I think uh, we might just have to have him as our unofficial third host at this point. We should just make him our mascot. All right, so Joe, you and I, we both have some mutual friends that kickstarted some businesses and side hustles this past year. I know that a lot of what we're covering this episode, we've probably both said to them when we talked to them at the different points in time. Uh, so hopefully this episode will cover everything from an introductory level that people should know. And if you listeners have any questions or want more clarification on certain things, we'd be happy to do another episode. We know that side hustles are really taking off and Anything we can do to help you guys save some money and sure you don't have CRA breathing down your backs, we'd be happy to help. So some of the things we're going to be going over today, what does it mean to be self-employed? What types of income can a self-employed person earn? How is your self-employment income taxed? And finally, what are some of the key things to think about when you're starting your business and side hustle and you know the taxes have to be considered? So let's kick things off. What does it mean to be self-employed, Joe? Yeah, by CRA's definition, a self-employed individual is someone who operates a business and is engaged in a business relationship with a payer. So another term for that that's used for a self-employed individual is also sole proprietor. So that's a lot of jargon again. And, you know, we have to go through the jargon every week just to make sure that you really understand what CRA says. But essentially, that means if you end up putting together a business that you end up earning money from, you are running a self-employed activity or some form of sole proprietorship. The one note that we want to just put on that as well is that the term business is used as CRA refers to a business activity, which is just an activity to earn business income. This is a little different from the typical idea that a business has to be a company or a place or some storefront that you walk into. That's most likely an incorporated business, but an individual in an incorporated business can both earn business income. So there are a number of factors that CA would look at in addition to that definition. And some of them include control, who gets to call the shots in your relationship with the payer, tools and equipment, who provides the equipment that you're using to carry out your work, subcontracting work or hiring assistance. Can you hire whoever you want or do you have to hire based on a preset stipulation or rule? The financial risk. If you go belly up, will you bear all the financial consequences? An opportunity for profit. If you hit the mother load, like you really hit the jackpot, can you say that you're taking home all the profits or is someone else getting to put their hand in your cookie jar? So really just to wrap it up, 
if you're someone who can end up controlling your work hours and controlling when and how you work, if you bring all of your tools to the tables, if you can hire on people to help you, if you bear the financial risk with your actual activity, and you can end up caking it completely if you end up hitting the mother load and making a whole ton of money, then it's most likely you're self-employed or running a business activity. So circling back to the definition of a sole proprietor, this is an individual who is the exclusive owner of a business. So this means that they have the right to take home all of the after-tax profits, but they're also liable for any business losses that may arise and could be on the hook for any litigation that comes up as a result. We really hope that wouldn't be the case, but that's just to put that in your heads that it is something that you would have to consider as well. So really when we're looking at this, there are two separate types of income that a self-employed individual or sole proprietor can end up earning. These are the CRA definitions of the different types of income, but we kind of go into it a little further in just a second here. So the first is business income. This is income you can earn from a profession, a trade, or an activity that you carry on for profit. So this can also be the sale of a product or a good. So this would be most applicable for providing a product or service, such as a hairdresser providing haircuts, which after six months of quarantines, I could definitely use one, or a hot dog stand making hot dogs. It's a pretty wide range when it comes to business income. So it's just kind of an all-encompassing term for anything that can end up generating some form of self-employed or business income. The second item is professional income. This is similar to business income with the major delineating factor being that the individual is being paid as a member of an officially recognized public body, such as a doctor, a lawyer, or in Gaetano, in my case, an accountant. This would be most applicable when you go to the dentist, get your taxes done by an accountant, or when Gaetano does his physio appointments to take care of his old man knees. All right, so how is my self-employment income taxed? Joey, please tell an old man how. An old man and his old man knees. Yeah. All right. So it's just the back, apparently. <laughs> so really, when you're looking at how it's taxed, there are two key items they have to look at. So self-employment or business income is earned on a gross basis. The amount that is taxed is on a net basis. I know that might not make sense yet, but we'll run through a little example here just so that we can end up making it as crystal clear as possible. In the example I'm going to lay out, let's say that I'm a great painter, which, by the way, is not the case whatsoever. But let's say I sell a painting to Gaetano for $100. I'm an artist now. The agreed upon price is $100, and that is my gross earnings. Now, in order to make that painting, I spent $25 on the canvas, $20 on the paint, and had a $5 transaction fee with a third-party payment service. So while I made $100 on the painting, I also incurred $50 of expenses meaning that I made a net profit of $50 before tax. Instead of being taxed on the $100 I received from Gaetano, I would have tax applied on the $50 of net income I earned on the sale. And intuitively, that makes sense. If you had to incur costs to generate that income, it doesn't seem fair that Sierra would charge you or tax you, sorry, on the amount you charged out. It should be on the net amount that you got to keep before tax. Exactly. So Joe, what expenses can I claim as a self-employed individual? And I'll say we'll just highlight a few of the key ones here, seeing as if we were to go into a comprehensive list, it would be more based off of what kind of service, offering, or product you're providing, because each different business activity that you have can end up being a little different in what kind of expenses you incur. So we'll just highlight a few key ones. And it's really important to note that as a rule of thumb, 
if the expense was incurred to help you earn business or self-employment income, then they most likely will be eligible as a self-employment or a business expense. But, and I can't stress this enough how many times I see it in actually like at work, personal expenses should never be claimed as business expenses. They had nothing to do with the business. You can't try and claim them to reduce your taxes. It's just going to cause headaches down the road if you end up claiming personal expenses in your business and can end up running into a larger tax bill down the road as well. So again, we're just going to go over some of the main ones. And I think, I think these are going to be the most applicable ones for someone starting off a side hustle too. So first one, advertising. Did you have to pay for any service to promote your brand or service? So are you paying fees related to advertising your brand on websites? Do you have some Instagram influencer that's pasting your picture up on their uh, accounts? You won't see my face up on any of them. They'd lose followers, but some people would actually gain some. These fees are deductible advertising expenses, and you can use them to reduce the amount of income that CRA taxes you on. The next item we'd highlight is insurance. So in the case that you had to hold professional insurance or business insurance of some type in order to operate, so for some individuals, like they might have like malpractice insurance and stuff like that. This is going to end up being an eligible expense that you can deduct from your gross income as well. Meals and entertainment. This is the one that I find toes the line the most. And it's just because th there's a lot of gray when it comes to claiming these expenses. So essentially, did you have to take a client out to dinner to discuss a business opportunity? Or did you take them out as part of some business arrangement? that as a result of that meal and those discussions and maybe a few drinks, you're able to secure some revenue coming back to you down the road. If that is the case, then you're most likely able to deduct that expense, so that meal, on your tax return. There's two factors here that make it a little tricky. One is that CRA only allows you to deduct 50% of any expense that's deemed a meals or entertainment expense. And their logic is, regardless of whether you've had to pay that expense or not, all of us need to eat. We need to eat to survive. So Sierra does not want to give you a deduction for something that you would have incurred regardless, which is why it's capped at 50%. The second part is that it has to be business related. And you can't have, you know, your, your grandpa's 90th birthday slipped into your tax return because, you know, you fit the bill. If it's not generating income for you, you can't leave it out. So let's give an example because numbers always help. Say you take out a client to a business dinner and the meal and the bill and everything, it came to $40. You can only deduct 50% of that, so $20, on your tax return as an eligible meal and entertainment expense. So the easy way to do it, add up all your meals and entertainment in the year and just multiply by 50%. That's your amount. Another really common one, and I think COVID really expanded the applicability of this, or at least the number of individuals doing this, home office expenses. So did you have a designated area of your home that was set aside for an office or some workspace for your business? Notice that we said it was designated. Okay, key word, designated. As you would need to prove to CRA that the sole intent of the space that you called designated was used to earn business or self-employment income. If so, then you can claim a portion of your home expenses, such as your water bills, your rent, your utilities, if you own the place, your mortgage interest, if you're condoing a portion of your condo fees on a pro rata basis, 
That's a lot of jargon. I know I, that actually hurt my head and I know this stuff. So let's use a number example again. Say your home is a thousand square feet or it's not even home. Just say the place you are living is a thousand square feet and the home office. So the space you're using to run your business is 50 square feet, 50 divided by a thousand. That gives you 5%. That means you can claim 5% of your home expenses as home office business expenses. The next one we'd highlight is vehicle expenses. Now bear with us because this one gets a little bit tricky. You can claim vehicle expenses only as long as they relate to earning business income, which is similar to any of the other items that we were talking about before. For example, if your self-employment requires you to drive around to a bunch of different clients, you would want to log the mileage of distances traveled from client to client in order to track the expenses. Once you have your business usage for the year, you can calculate your eligible expenses for business purposes in the year too. Eligible expenses would include things like gas, repairs and maintenance, and licensing fees, just to name a few things that would be applicable for operating a vehicle. For example, let's just put some numbers to this as we'd like to do. If you drove your car for 10,000 kilometers in the year and worked out that 6,000 of those kilometers were for business use, you can claim 60% of your car's related expenses for the year as a business expense. You probably didn't have many vehicle expenses in 2020 and the way COVID is going right now, you probably won't have too, too much 2021, but it's definitely something you want to keep in mind. It helps reduce your tax burden. All right. So when you're self-employed or you're operating as a sole proprietor, is there anything else you should look out for, Joe? I'd say there most definitely is. And there's a few little key items that we're going to just take away here. So the first one, you want to know tax form 2125 or schedule 2125. When you're completing your tax return, this will be the required form that you need to complete to list out your self-employment or your business activities. This is where you're going to detail your revenue, your business expenses, and it will allow you to calculate your net income for which you will then be subject to on tax. One of the biggest things that we'd highlight is the implications when it comes to income taxes. That's why we're here, isn't it? This one is always a tough pill to swallow at the end of the year. If you earn employment income, the amount of cash you receive in your bank account is the amount of after-tax income you earned. When you get paid for services or for a business product as a self-employed individual or business owner, you get paid the gross amount, pre-taxed, meaning that you have to hold a fair amount of that money until the end of the year to settle your tax bill. As your tax bill can range based on your sources of income and how much additional income you have past just this self-employment or business income, Holding back 35 to 45% of your earnings is always a safe place to start to cover an unexpected bill at the end of the year. The next item to highlight is CPP. So as a self-employed person, you not only remit CPP on your own behalf, but you remit CPP as the business owner too. So this can end up resulting in a bigger balance due on your return than you initially expected because you're not just paying for yourself, you're also paying for yourself as the business owner. The next key item that we'd look at is sales tax. So this is a huge whole can of worms that we're looking at. And a lot of people can get really confused about it. And to be completely fair, it is a pretty confusing topic at times. Depending on the types of services you provide, they may be subject to sales tax if you surpass $30,000 in a four quarter period. Regardless of the calendar year, it's four quarters. So it could be from April until let's say March of the next year. We can go over the types of income subject to sales tax in a later episode, but for now, if you're under the $30,000 of income for a four quarter period and have never had a sales tax filing obligation before, 
you would be what's called a small supplier. And you can't see it right now, but I'm doing the air quotes for it. But it's a small supplier and not required to register just yet. Now, we would also note that certain types of self-employment activities require you to register for sales tax right away. So do your research before you start a business activity just to make sure you won't run into any issues down the road. And most importantly, and I'm pretty sure I said this before in other episodes, hold on to your receipts. You definitely need to hold on to them because in the event you are audited by CRA, and yes, it does happen. CRA does random audit requests. They're going to ask you for proof of all the expenses you're claiming, including as a business. And as a business, you should be keeping proof of everything you paid. So make sure you have a good file system or some sort of tracking system. Keep the copies and it just makes life a lot easier down the road. And it makes sure that your filings are done correctly. Set yourself up for success. All right. So now that we end up looking at some of the different items that you need to keep in mind when it comes to filing and also just tracking details for your self-employment or business activity, let's go ahead and run through an example. Now, before this call today, Gaetano and I had actually discussed that Gaetano used to be quite the chocolate bar salesman back in his day. I know why you were asking me those questions. I never would have answered. Yeah, so... What we're going to end up running through here is just a little scenario where Gaetano has actually become a chocolatier. So first and foremost, let's just lay out the groundwork. So to get started, let's assume that Gaetano made $15,000 in the year for making chocolate bars and selling them to friends, family, and whoever else. You know, Gaetano's doing all right for himself. Gaetano also spent $6,000 on products to make these chocolate bars because Gaetano's a gourmet boy. Gaetano paid approximately $1,000 to advertise his chocolate bars in different online ads in the year, and that really helped drive his business. Gaetano made his own deliveries, incurring a total of $10,000 in vehicle costs, but only using his car for business 25% of the time. This amounts to $2,500 of eligible expenses in the year, strictly for his vehicle expenses. You can so, hear the ambulance in the background as someone tried one of my chocolate bars. So while Gaetano doesn't actually have a car himself, let's just assume he does here and he's making all these deliveries and giving them out to the people who end up wanting his chocolate so badly. Finally, Gaetano pays rent of $10,000 per year. He has a second room in his apartment that he uses strictly as an office for invoices, online sales, and things of that nature. The home office is 50 square feet of the 1,000 square feet of the apartment, meaning that Gaetano can claim 5% or $500 total as a home office expense in the year. So let's tally up my results as a chocolatier. I somehow made 15,000 in sales. I had 10,000 in expenses for the sale of the chocolate bars. I had no lawsuits filed against me and I had pre-tax income of $5,000 for this business activity. That I guess would be pretty good for me, not gonna lie. So I've got 5,000, but remember I still owe tax. And depending on what my tax bracket is, you know, it's hard to say uh, ahead of time if, if you don't know all your income sources. So as a safety idea, I decided to put aside 40% of that $5,000 that I had net. And I put it aside just in case I do owe tax down the road. And so 40% of 5,000, that's $2,000. That means I had currently after tax earnings of $3,000. And this would, of course, be adjusted, right? Once I file my final tax return, enjoy. Exactly. And I'd say that's not too bad, too, for a guy who's got a big a sweet tooth as you do, that you're not Seriously. just eating through all of your inventory. Yeah, no, I'm pretty impressed. 
Okay, Joe, I think it's time for some key takeaways because Winston just let one loose, and I definitely need to take him outside for a wash and break. So. Let's, let's run through this quick. Uh, yeah, can, please. Yeah. I'm tearing up. All right. So the first key takeaway is that with business or self-employment income, you receive money from your customers, your gross income, from which you can deduct business expenses to arrive at your net income. You would then be taxed on the net income, not the gross, assuming that you have eligible expenses to claim. So self-employment or business income, it can take many forms. And it can be something like selling artwork or providing plumbing services, baking goods, or preparing tax returns, for example. So just make sure that whatever it is, you're keeping track of what you're operating and you have the information available when needed. So self-employment or business income, it can take many forms. It can be selling artwork like Joey tried to do or providing plumbing services, preparing tax returns. These are just a few examples, but it's essentially anything you're doing, provide a good or service. Now running these side hustles or starting a business, all of it, it can really help you earn extra cash and it can be very lucrative if you're successful down the road. But it's very important that you plan accordingly for your taxes so that you don't get stuck with a large tax bill at the end of the year that you just don't have the cash on hand to settle. Finally, we really urge you to hang on to your receipts and document as best you can. Staying on top of your documents, like expense totals, mileage logs, things of that nature, can save you a lot of time, money, and headaches both today and at a later date. And it can also help you see how you are performing as you run your business. You can see what expenses you're incurring and whether you're charging too little, maybe too much. And that just helps you planning and you know, staying organized can never hurt. Thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to two random schmucks on the internet. If you liked what you heard, make sure to click the follow button here on Spotify to know when our new content drops. Give us a follow on the gram and check out our email address in the description above if you have suggestions for future content. If you're ready to take the dive into getting fit educated with your finances, we're here to help you through your journey. We hope you stay positive, test negative, and have yourself a great day.